0: But we'll entertain the conversation that leads us to the truth. What do we know? What telephones
1: that no to you? Welcome to Don't Wreck Yourself. My name is Ryan Placetti, and I'm here to disentangle you from the Gordian Knot of the Internet's bullshit. And joining me today, we have Ian Malden. Is it Malden or Maldine? Malden. You got it. Man,
0: I'm so Nailed good it. at this. It's Nailed not it. an easy... Everyone gets it wrong, so I... So much respect for getting it right.
1: Uh, I, my last name's Plachetti and it's got two C's and an H in the middle. And <laughs> if you're trying to steal my identity, that's how you spell it. You have all the consonants. I have all the vowels. <laughs> We're coming back from a short hiatus after the month of August. Everything was awesome. We I, I assume everybody was surfing. Now everybody's learning how. And then I asked Ian if he'd like to safari with me. And here we are today. So- I'm done surfing. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have you know what I wanted to be a marine biologist when I was growing up and then like the older I got the 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 more and more I realized how bad I'd look in a wetsuit <laughs> and I just didn't have the body for that job it's like life it's like science lifeguard my cousin completed a
0: marine biology degree
1: and he's a real estate agent now <laughs> I mean I, I get it I was an archaeologist for a while I did have the body for that <laughs> that's mostly that's mostly long sleeves and hiking boots. Totally cool to have a, a dad bod for archaeology. Yes. And same in fact, it's encouraged. I think Harrison Ford actually started off with kind of like a little bit like he was never like a rip dude. Like he was always just like adventurous, rugged, you know, honestly, the jacket and the hat and the whip kind of made that was like 50 percent of his machismo.
0: Yeah. You know, I don't disagree with that because it's true certifiably.
1: But speaking of Harrison Ford's rock hard machismo. <laughs> I found an image on the internet that I wanted you to take a look at. I know that uh, you are a Star Wars fan and Mm -hmm. you've incorporated a lot of those uh, Star Wars parallels into your day-to-day work as the keeper on shrimp and crits. Mm -hmm. I'm going to bring this image to your attention. Would you mind describing it for the audience so that I don't have to?
0: Uh, Yeah, sure. Let me put my, (laughs) um, let me put my science goggles on uh, to examine this image. It looks like we have a box of popsicles but but it's they're all gray, which is not a very attractive popsicle color. Uh, it, it, the the label here says Han Solo's frozen carbonite dogs. <laughs> <laughs> it's a 20 pack. <laughs> the tagline is nice
1: cock, not super creative, but it gets the point across. I, I respect I, that. I don't think that's the tagline. I think that might be the brand. I, I think that's the great oh. value logo from Walmart. Yeah. Okay. That okay. That they've, that they've now photoshopped to say "nice cock."
0: It's not General Mills. It's nice cock popsicles. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's 20 Schlangos in this box. Apparently, <laughs> there's the three flavors:
1: carbonite, carbonite, and carbonite. I like all. Th- those are actually my top three flavors of carbonite dong. So perfect. <laughs> it was, and it comes in a 20 pack, like a pack of cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know with. With the Han Solo's
0: frozen carbonite dongs, as with most popsicles, you can't just eat one of them. You know, you got to <laughs> you got to tear through like four or five of those suckers. How, how many
1: how many carbonite dongs do you think that you could eat in any given sitting in, in a single sitting?
0: It de- man, it it depends. I, I could do 10 if I don't if I'm not like in a good place. Um, but but if I'm average, <laughs> if I'm average doing OK, just need a couple popsicles after work, Ian.
1: Uh, probably four. <laughs> I like to sit down. I like to put on the prequels and then I just I'll, I'll nurse like one or maybe two dongs. I don't like to overdo it. <laughs> um,
0: I'm, I'm getting so the Star Wars nerd in me is coming out now. Um, so the in-universe explanation for this popsicle is that. It has to be that they it's a it's attack of the clones, but they've cloned Han Solo. Yes. And they're freezing the clones and just they're harvesting
1: Han Solo dongs (laughs) and selling them for treats. That's just that's horrible. It's dystopian. What's absolutely the most horrifying about this, is that they're 20 to a box. And this is clearly the bargain brand, which means there probably is some sort of premium name brand Han Solo carbonite dong out there. <laughs> it's got the full okay,
0: for the audience these are just like popsicle shaped, right? They're just very smooth, but the <laughs> the the primo, the ones you gotta pay up for have all the details. They've got the veins, <laughs> maybe even the hairs
1: if we're putting our han solo frozen carbonite dongs in order of preference, <laughs> uh I'd have to say my top three are probably carbonite carbonite and carbonite. Yeah, but I think that carbonite
0: is the clear front runner.
1: Okay, but let's say we're doing the same exercise, but now we are dealing with the Star Wars movies, which I'm sure you have seen most of them. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie, I just saw Rise of Skywalker like a week and a half ago. I just I I couldn't. I could I couldn't. After Last Jedi, Last Jedi was so terrible, I didn't want to watch Rise of Skywalker. Oh, see, see, okay. I'm a Last Jedi stan. I am a Last Jedi defender. I yeah. am not, but, but it was still terrible and it was terrible for all the reasons that it was good. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Hey, that's, that's a good take. Honestly, that's, <laughs> that's the best take about
0: the movie. It's, but, I like
1: it because it's, a, it's a take that eats itself.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs>
1: right. And
0: also nobody can be mad at it. You can, you like diffuse the argument with it. You know, it's like throwing a grenade into a fist fight. You're like, okay, the argument's done now. Cause <laughs> There's everyone's, no like, more fist fight. everyone's like, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Guess I can't punch that guy because there's a grenade about to blow my face off. All right. So defend Last Jedi for me. Ryan Johnson's masterpiece. It's a Star Wars movie that took risks. I found myself watching. I love The Force Awakens like everybody did. Right. Like we forget how that felt going into The Force Awakens.
1: I thought J.J. Abrams dutifully nailed the aesthetic of Star Wars. Yes. Yes. in, in, In very good ways. I think he recycled a lot of content.
0: Oh, absolutely,
1: and not necessarily like he. I don't think J.J. Abrams did anything brave. I think he did a lot of things competently.
0: Right, right. Which is kind of I feel like <laughs> I feel like his whole mo. But like, so I found myself watching that movie over and over again because I was just craving the next installment. Right, and I found I found myself liking it less and less each time because it's such a recycling of old Star Wars tropes. Yeah, which is fine. Like Star Wars is a is about tropes, so like. It's fine, but I thought it was great that with the second one, like Ryan was like, okay, let's destroy some of these tropes. Let's take some huge monumental risks and try to change this thing into something better moving forward.
1: You mean like taking the villain that was introduced at the very end of the previous film and then killing him unceremoniously before (laughs) providing any backstory or consequence? Sure, sure,
0: sure, let's do it.
1: All right. (laughs) Well, Well, he did. (laughs) My defense
0: and this is hilarious. My defense at the time before the third movie came out was I'm sure there's a plan and they're going to explain this in the third movie. Like it'll not. all make give them some time everybody. It'll make sense in a few years and yeah, that turned out to be not true at all.
1: Thing is, I've, I've always been more of a Star Trek fan than a Star Wars fan. Don't get me wrong. I enjoy both. I, I enjoy both settings. But for me, Star Trek is just a little bit more pliable because there's so many episodes. There mm-hmm. are definitely stinkers there. Two yeah. thirds of the original series is not very good. Mm-hmm. Like, in fact, I'd go so far as to say two thirds of the original series is outright bad.
0: I have always known that I would and will someday love Star Trek, but I've never seen a single piece of Star Trek media like I've seen the references I've seen clips or whatever but like one day I'm gonna die I'm just in I'm I'm intimidated by it because I know I'm going to go all in yeah and I'm not ready to lose you know a year and a half of my life to just like absorbing every piece of Star Trek
1: I can possibly get my hands on because because this is an audio medium I have to stop and describe my face which was aghast <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. At, uh, at the idea that you had never seen Star Trek. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, what I
0: understand about it is that Star Trek is more sci fi, whereas Star Wars is just fantasy in space. You know, yeah, like it's the, not there's, fantasy, for sure. As a Star Wars lover, I can say uh, there's not as much that's thought provoking about Star Wars, it's more about feeling. It's more about nailing that aesthetic, which J.J. Abrams admittedly did very well yeah. with. with mean, we t- if you're
1: if you're if you're going for just how Star Wars feels, absolutely. And that's why I never I can never stop with one Han Solo frozen carbonite dong. <laughs> Got to get and, to that 10th dong
0: and brain freeze.
1: In order to have the entire feeling the 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 emotional, physical journey of Star Wars, you really have to get through at least half a pack of these things. <laughs> <laughs> You know, you know what these are perfect for though? They are the perfect party favor for a nerd bachelorette party. Or bachelor party. I don't yeah. want to uh, I don't wanna heteronormalize I don't wanna heteronormative <laughs> normalize heteronormalize <laughs> it's one of Han, those. Solo's, Han Solo's <laughs> Carbonite dong. I'm gonna look it up and then I'm gonna edit appropriately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that uh,
0: many genders can come to enjoy these dongs.
1: The the is a big place with many, many species and and many peoples. Mm-hmm. But if ever there was a hive of wretched scum and villainy, <laughs> unlike any other in the galaxy, it has to be on r slash am I the asshole in Reddit. Um so our I guess technically second topic of the day, because I I think Han is ding dong counts as his topic. Uh, so for our second topic <laughs> of the day, uh, am I the asshole for kicking my maid of honor out of my wedding party because she was being a buzzkill? Mm. So I tend to take the stance that when it comes to a wedding, like it's really up to the the two, three, four, depending on the, the, the nuts and bolts of any given group of people who, choosing to formalize their relationship in the bonds of holy matrimony. (laughs) I believe that the people getting married should ultimately be the ones that the party event space is about. Mm -hmm. So typically my gut reaction when I see something like this is, no, you're not out out of line. You can kick people out of your wedding for whatever reason you want. You can be as petty and awful as you want, as long as you're willing to live with the consequences down the line. (laughs) Uh, Did you get a chance to look this one over before we jumped in? Yeah, I did.
0: So, like the gist of it, I don't know. You, do you want to read the whole thing, or can I summarize? No, no, we don't want
1: to. We don't want to read the whole thing. So, if you want to uh, summarize the key points about her best friend, and yeah, if you could just do all the hard work, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm happy to. Uh, the
0: The gist of it is the best friend planned her dream bachelorette excursion. Uh, she put all the nuts and bolts together. She hired the stripper. She, you know, whatever arranged for the alcohol to be purchased you know, whatever. And then said to, well, perhaps the, the rest of the bridesmaids, not the bride herself. Yeah. Uh, but she said, Hey, I'm, I'm not gonna, I hope you guys have a good time, but I'm actually not going to go because I don't approve of like strippers and stuff. And yeah. so the bachelorette was, uh, was Matt and uh, fired her from <laughs> uninvited her to the wedding and fired her as the maid of honor. Yeah. Um. Because she's a buzzkill.
1: Yeah. So there's a couple things that I want to add there. One is this best friend is also a professional wedding planner. Mm-hmm. So in this case, the bride was getting professional grade wedding services delivered to her for free for free. Yeah. Including yeah. booking her entire bachelorette party. And then the idea that this uh, this maid of honor wouldn't attend because strippers are not appropriate in the context of whatever relationship she's in. Mm-hmm. And she's also not going to be drinking at any of the wedding events because she doesn't like the taste or alcohol or the way it makes her feel. Mm-hmm. She was deemed a buzzkill.
0: You know, OK, so, yeah, it's easy to pile on the buzzkill and to say, like, yo, like, why don't you just chill and have a good time? But, like, I think anyone is entitled to govern their experience and to be able to say like, Hey, I'm just not into alcohol, you know, like, yeah, that's how I am with, with like, with like pot. Like I don't smoke pot. I have a lot of friends that do. I, I mm-hmm. don't know if you talk about this on your show, but um, no, we, we,
1: we don't talk about any of your friends smoking pot on this show, but we're willing to start. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but yeah, I'm just, I'm not like, it's not my thing.
0: I don't, I don't like the way it makes me feel. So yeah, if someone wants to feel yeah. that way about alcohol, they can probably
1: still have a good time at a wedding without it. I know I could. You know no, what I mean? Like It's not like these people are going through their entire life just devoid of joy because they're not drinking alcohol. You know, there are people who can't drink alcohol, people who choose not to drink alcohol because they make terrible choices in their 20s. And then right, just said, right, my right. 30s aren't going to be like that. Right. And, and, and it doesn't matter what the reason is. If somebody says, I don't want to do that to my body, I don't want to put that on my body, you know, for the sake of social acceptance or everybody having a good time. You know, that's really their business. And it sounds like this woman was dutifully serving as the maid of honor. Yeah. And was tossed aside because she wasn't fun when she was being technically proficient. Yeah. Yeah. That's
0: a bummer. So, okay, so I'm getting married in October. Excuse me. I'm getting married in October. So um, I had a bachelor party and my cousin, who is my best man. okay, um,
1: As long as you say best man and not fiance. My cousin is my fiance. I am from the South uh, after all. I'm from, I'm from Maine and Maine. I don't, Maine is another part of the country that closes down for hunting season. Yeah. And, and there's a lot of long, cold winters in Maine. That's all I'll say about that. <laughs> oh my God.
0: Uh, but my cousin doesn't really drink. He had one margarita with me the whole week. Um, mm-hmm. Cause he was like, I'll do this for you. I was like,
1: All right. Thanks for falling on that sword sword and having a margarita. And having a designated (laughs) driver built into your drunken bacchanalia is Mm. a blessing. Super good. Having a sober person there to make sure that everything is staying on the rails is a great way to go. In fact, I probably would have said, hey, maybe we should uninvite the strippers (laughs) or, or arrange for the strippers to show up at a time that you're not going to be in the room. I would have tried to compromise with the maid of honor if her presence there was actually that important. That realistically, yes,
0: that is absolutely what I would have done. i would have been like, you know what? Well, that, but that's a personal. Tr- I would have been like, I would have been like, you know what? I thought strippers would be fun. It's not more important than having my best friend at my fucking yeah. bachelorette <laughs> party.
1: You know what I mean? <laughs> Jesus Christ! Uh, sometimes you just gotta get that dong waggle in your face because you're not gonna <laughs> see that dong waggle ever again.
0: Sneak this off is- to a to a dong waggling club by yourself. You know, I don't they know. Exist. Like-
1: so what I will say is the, the details of this actually kind of put it under a suspicious light for me in that supposedly this is her best friend who is a professional wedding planner. Right. Yeah. And how, do, how did you if this person is actually her best friend, how does she not know about her sober living and also her personal limitations? And again, best friend is a very, you know, that, that's, that's a very important tag that you can place on somebody, especially when it comes to major life events like your wedding. And to say that that person's her best friend and then kick her out for not being as fun in the way that you would want her to be fun is not cool.
0: Yeah, you should definitely know your best friend better than that. You know, I it this whole thing feels very disingenuous or maybe this person's just not a very good good person. (laughs) And so they don't get to know their people very
1: well. Like maybe this (laughs) is like maybe this person's gone their entire life just being an asshole. And this is the first time they (laughs) stop to pause and reflect on themselves. (laughs) Or they have like 6,000 posts on M.I.D. <laughs> M- <laughs> M- <the laughs> and everyone is just more awful than the last.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, so I, I guess there's two questions to ask. One is, do you think this post is real based on the context that we've been given? I'm going to say I don't think it is. It, it, either, either the post itself and the situation isn't real or the relationship as she has described it is not true.
0: Yeah, it does. That that does seem pretty sus to me. I'm inclined to believe that it's real because, like, it's not an exciting enough story to be to make. Like, why would you make this up? And also, people are just awful in
1: general. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I I'm inclined to believe that if this is true, that this person is in fact an asshole who may have chosen their best friend based on their uh, profession of wedding planner. <laughs> Like, like I'm getting married. Hey, you know, Kathy is my best friend. (laughs) Well, I mean, I guess we're friends, but
0: (laughs) (laughs) best friend.
1: But before you get to the point of walking down the aisle, there is that period in which you are dating. Uh, So I actually have a question from a place on Reddit called r slash no stupid questions, which I don't. I don't know how familiar you are with r slash no stupid questions, Ian, but it is a place on the internet where you can ask a question and it could be any question. And by virtue of asking it in that forum, it is not stupid. Now, if you ask that same question elsewhere, bets are off. Mm -hmm. But right here, right now, not a stupid question. Okay. user Muhan wants to know, as a guy is it weird to let my friend know I'm meeting someone off Tinder just in case something happens just so he can back me up? <laughs> Ian. Mm-hmm. Is it weird to let your friends know where you're going to get murdered?
0: Fuck no. Fuck no. <laughs> come protect me. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a tiny little weenie. Cause like I'm, I'm scared and alone. Yes. Come protect me. Absolutely. I'm meeting with a big spooky stranger off the the (laughs) internet who knows what they're capable of.
1: And that's, that's the thing. Like, I think that there's a, uh, there's kind of an expectation in our society that men are aggressive and can take care of themselves and women are victims and men are, you know, and you you see that in reporting of say sexual violence against men, sexual violence against men often goes unreported completely Mm -hmm. because of, you know, shame, macho culture, Right. There there's 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 a whole lot of stuff that gets put on men that they have trouble sorting through. Yeah. And I don't think that we should let that cloud our judgment because men are not impervious to danger. You could find yourself in a situation that is potentially threatening or harmful to yourself and if you haven't taken basic precau- basic safety precautions which are not difficult to take, mm-hmm. you could live to regret it or worse, not live to regret it. Yeah. And if you're worried about how tough you look, I, I, I think that possibly the second most baller thing that you can do when being murdered is find a way <laughs> to identify the person murdering you. The most <laughs> the most baller thing, of course, being surviving the murder attempt. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Like if you can take out your killer and call the cops yourself, that's your first choice. But your second choice, like if you cannot avoid being murdered would be to identify your murderer from beyond the grave.
0: I feel like I would be under pressure. I'd be pretty bad. I would be, you know, I would be, call, I'd be on the phone. I'd have, I'd have successfully dialed nine one one. My phone's laying in the ground as I'm being knifed to death. And I'm just like, uh,
1: blue, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, eyebrows. Yeah. You know, like Ian went on a date with somebody who has blue eyebrows and they murdered him.
0: (laughs) We have to find this blue eyebrowed assailant. (laughs) Oh, man. But yeah, I mean, I'm a pretty capable human being and I've got like muscles and stuff. You know, I'm not like the strongest man in the world, but I'm not the weakest person ever either. Would you
1: say you're in the top 60%?
0: No, 100%. Definitely not. (laughs) Maybe, maybe right there at the bottom. Uh, But my point, my point being is like, if someone pulls out a knife, I'm lost. You know, like, (laughs) I don't know
1: karate. Have you considered taking a karate class or maybe watching some YouTube videos? Because YouTube's really pushing that right now. They're like, I didn't know anything about glass blowing. But then I watched a YouTube video and now I'm a famous
0: glass (laughs) blower. I do watch YouTube, but unfortunately, it's mostly about deep Star Wars lore. (laughs) So maybe I could start screaming, you know, obscure facts about ancient Sith lords, and uh, my assailant will leave me alone.
1: <laughs> um, so I think it's interesting because, like I said, we have this entire culture around like male machismo, mm-hmm. being strong, hard. Like uh, you know, you you you're just supposed to be there, like the strong image of master- and hard. Yeah, the. the Yeah, the image of uh, the image of Star Wars masculinity, which is Han Solo trapped in carbonite. carbonite. (laughs) (laughs) Dick dick just turgid. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the dick's been removed,
0: clearly, to put in a box (laughs) for tasty consumption.
1: But there's stuff that's targeted towards women that does address this pretty regularly. So like there's literally just an article on Cosmo. It's just like 14 women give you tips Mm -hmm. and all the tips are the same. They're like, yeah, tell people where you're going. (laughs) <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's most of it, but there's also, they also made some other recommendations that I thought were pretty good. First and foremost, again, uh, tell people where you're going. They also recommend taking, like if you're on an online dating app and obviously you're seeing people's pictures, right? You can mm-hmm. take their picture and you can put it into Google image search to determine whether it, it actually belongs to them. If you find that picture identified as somebody else, then it's possible that you're being catfished or worse yet, an even bigger type of fish.
0: That w- That's something I would never... That would never occur to me to do. That's a really good tip. I don't even know if I know how to do a Google image search, like a uh, reverse image search.
1: I I think you can just copy and paste. Like I, I, I talked about this like super confidently, like I'm an expert. I've only seen it done on the television show Catfish, which my wife and oldest son love. But they also recommend providing your own transportation. Which makes a lot of sense, because if you have your own transportation, you are your own means for getting home. Yeah, if they do pick you up, you can slyly take a photo of the license plate and send it to a friend, not a cop. The the only time that it's OK to talk to cops is when you're a ghost trying to solve your own murder. But even then, be careful where you're pointing the finger because they'll shoot people for no reason. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, another tip that I saw was that you could pay for only an hour of parking so that way you have an excuse to leave. You can. And then if you're having a good time, you can just go feed the meter for two more hours. Or if you're not having a good time. You could take sleeve. solace in the fact that you uh, saved a lot of money on parking and you're not going to have to pay for that drink that you ordered. And you just get the, <laughs> the hell out of there. If you're feeling polite, you can Venmo them. But
0: most, most bartenders are like looking out for you. Yeah. You know, if, if I see a date happening and one of the two members of said party gets out real suddenly and quickly, I'm like not going to sweat that drink not getting paid for. You know what I mean?
1: No, no, because you know exactly what's happening there right the 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 person the person left at the bar is gonna go home and cry, but they're gonna be crying over the corpse of their mother, so it's okay
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, <yeah. laughs> I, I, like I don't know why I assume that this person has murdered their own mother before immediately before going on this first date. It I, seems like something you wouldn't be able to repeat for every date every time I've murdered my mother, I have gone on a date
0: directly <laughs> afterwards so <laughs> Well, you know, on that note, like, you also don't need an excuse to get up and leave. I think in this scenario, like, lying is not an amoral thing to do, right? Like, if you paid for six hours of parking because, you know, you're parking overnight and you're going to leave your car there or whatever, it's like, you can still say, like, oh, I only paid for one
1: hour of parking. I need to go check out my car. Yeah, but I would still only pay for the one hour of parking because now you're just paying for five hours of additional parking, Ian yeah you're parking you're paying for the next parker, which you know what? pay it forward maybe maybe the next person wants to go on a date with that creep who's crying over the corpse of his mother i don't know <laughs> uh the other thing that you can do is you can uh. Set up your Find My Phone app or use a map tracking app. So yesterday I went to the Renaissance Fair with my wife and I had a couple different friend groups that were there. So what I did is I created a group text. I went to Google Maps. I found my location, set it to share for the next 12 hours. So that way at any point, anybody that I needed to could open up their phone, open up the Maps app and look and see where I'm at and guide themselves to me. That's super useful unless the person murdering you throws your phone out the window. But then they'll <laughs> they'll at least have an idea of where you started and where you went.
0: Last known location. Yeah. Last
1: known location is super important. I don't know if you listened to the first season of Cereal, but I don't want to get too far into it. But let me tell you, I think some of the some of the reasoning they used to convict that kid. Welcome to our podcast, Serial Part Two, <laughs> where we talk about cereals cereal seasons from seven years ago. Uh, you know, hey, Cheerios, Froot Loops. I'm a big cereal fan. You know, I, I do love I love frosted mini wheats and checks, just like plain checks. Like I like those yeah. really bland cereals.
0: Yeah. I mean, I used to be a sugary cereal monster, but um, more okay. recently I've been a like a plain Cheerios
1: guy. Would you were you more of a Frankenberry or a Count Chocula? <laughs> Definitely more of a Count Chocula. I could see that. Yeah. Yeah. Can you give me a taste of your strong Count Chocula impersonation? I'm sure you've got one. Oh, I, I've God. heard you do vampire voice, and I love your vampire voices because it sounds like you put the fake teeth in first. <laughs> no, I just literally talk like this <laughs> with my teeth over my lip. <laughs> I just assumed you were putting, like, plastic vampire teeth in your mouth for all of your vampire scenes on the show.
0: Nope, I just, uh, yep, teeth over that mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Yeah, it would be hilarious if I had a really gross pair of plastic vampire teeth just sitting on my desk at all times (laughs) in (laughs) case. (laughs) Just sitting
1: in a thing of Listerine.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The vampires in Tallahassee are not the kind of vampires you want selling you cereal, though. Yeah.
1: But speaking of things that are disgusting and wrong that you don't want to put in your mouth. Uh, That brings us to our next topic, which is one pot taco spaghetti containing ground beef, taco seasoning, spaghetti, Rotel tomatoes, onions and cheese. And we have a picture here. It looks like a a typical uh, looks like a small stock pot filled with spaghetti and cheddar cheese and looks like salsa and just like a a hint of cilantro. Yeah, I I guess my question for you is looking at one pot taco spaghetti. Is this okay? (laughs) Is this is this the last Jedi of taco dishes? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I love that Ryan
0: Johnson with this dish took a lot of risks. (laughs) 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 I want the audience to know that I'm sweating looking at this image. I'm trying to figure out whether or not I want to take a bite. Um, and I feel my pores filling with, with salty with with saline sweat.
1: It is a it is a challenging dish to be sure. Uh, is it Master Chef quality? Uh, I
0: think Master Chef is like the wrong direction. I mean, you know, I'm not going to shame anyone for their food choices or for you know. I I I'm assuming that this box is like fifty cents. So this is obviously <laughs>
1: very affordable food. Uh, this this looks like a Jamie Oliver dish, is what it looks like. <laughs> he is he's got to be the like the celebrity chef with the worst looking food. Yeah, yeah. He he does a lot of I would describe as ethnically inaccurate one pot <laughs> dishes, and, and and like this is this like you know right there, in this wheelhouse. The, yeah, there there are new restaurants out there gunning for that James Beard Award. This is the Jamie Oliver Award. <laughs> <laughs> the winner.
0: I mean, but the ingredients listed here, ground beef, uh, taco seasoning, which is what? Like cumin, coriander, paprika, you know, like some pretty yeah, good stuff. Yeah, you're going to have a
1: little, little bit of chili powder, some salt, uh, uh, maybe maybe a touch of thyme. MSG. Oh, hell yeah. I put MSG on everything. I've, I've got a freestanding thing of MSG just waiting to sprinkle. But all you need is salt and yeah. pepper. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly,
0: to be honest with you, I don't think I. I, I know I brought it up, but <laughs> I don't think I know what MSG is beyond knowing that, like, like ten years ago, like ninety percent of customers at restaurants would ask if you season your food with MSG, and the answer was always no. Maybe there's some health implications. I don't even know. I just know it fell out of favor with, you know, the Karens of the world.
1: It goes back to actually the early 1980s, and they called it like Chinese food disease. But basically, MSG uh, was originally extracted from seaweed. So it's providing a really intense umami flavor. It occurs naturally in nature in obviously seaweed, but it also occurs in tomatoes. Mm. So that's like one of my secrets. But like when I'm doing like a tomato salad or something like that, I'll hit it with just a little sprinkle of MSG Mm. uh, just to emphasize the umami flavor that's inherent to the tomato. Very nice. Um, So as far as like why people didn't want it, there was a lot of racist tropes about Chinese food giving people headaches in the early 80s. And there was an article that was actually published in a scholarly journal which linked headaches to MSG However, a couple different people have taken credit for that journal article because it's not apparent that the doctor who wrote it actually exists. <laughs> and one of the it's not funny, it's horrifying, but I, <laughs> well, one of the, one of the one of the people who takes claim for it is actually a Chinese doctor who wanted to demonstrate that a stereotype reaffirming piece of research, it goes it, it gets less scrutiny. Mm. So in other words, he, he slipped something in there that was very derogatory about Chinese culture and people just accepted it, ate it up, and it became part of their identity. Mm. You know, there are people out there to this day who do not eat MSG because they're convinced that it gives them headaches, even though there's absolutely no legitimate repeatable science that says that'll happen.
0: I waited on a lady the other day who had um, it looked like a pool net, but it was the size of a fork. OK, um, and she put it through her wine. And she said it removed the sulfites from the wine. uh,
1: Oh, that sounds – that's Super another big positive. thing where people are
0: like, oh, sulfites give me headaches. And I'm like, maybe it's true. Uh, sulfites
1: do give you headaches. Like yeah. <laughs> sulfites give you headaches. Tannins can give you headaches, but it's not guaranteed. And honestly, if the winemaker put it out that way, maybe just drink it that way. And if you don't like the way it tastes or the way it makes you feel, drink something else.
0: Like this, uh, like the maid of honor in this wedding, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, honestly, I think it would be okay. Like if you kicked your maid of honor out of your wedding for using a fishnet to pull the sulfites <laughs> out of the wine, I'd be okay with that. Like I'd be like, She got to (laughs) go. She's gone. Just just drink the damn wine. Come on. Okay. so one one pot taco spaghetti from a construction standpoint. Do you see any issues here with how it's being put together? Um, I like the cilantro garnish. Um,
0: It really makes the tomatoes
1: pop. I'd like to see more cilantro.
0: Yeah, a little more. Yeah, exactly. a little more greenery definitely wouldn't hurt. But I like that it's there. I feel like it Mm -hmm. could be overlooked.
1: Entirely. Yeah, and, and if you're not a cilantro person, go ahead and sub in a little bit of parsley, too.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, oh, yeah, gonna... a lot of people got the soap thing with cilantro. Mm-hmm.
1: I don't think that you can eliminate the cilantro completely, but if you do have to cut back, chop up some parsley, that's a little bit less divisive. Indeed, it's
0: certainly less flavorful,
1: but, you I think know. my concern here is that cooking, like, all these things have kind of different cook times. hmm So... Doing this as a one pot taco spaghetti seems difficult yeah. because you're going to need to brown that ground beef yeah. and, 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 and include the taco seasoning. But you're also going to have to boil the <coughs> pasta. So how are we accomplishing this with one pot unless there's a second pot on the grassy knoll, so to speak? <laughs> I, I think when you're constructing this plate, you're going to brown the ground beef. Yeah. Right? You're going to set it aside. Then you're going to boil your pasta, yeah. strain the pasta. Put your ground beef and your pasta together with your other seasonings. Toss it, top it with cheese. I assume stick it in the microwave because this is that's that's the that's the type of cooking we're doing here. And then you you stir in your 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 can of tomatoes and onions.
0: Yeah, you're probably spot on there. Um, I wonder if you you know how much wiping is required after the beef you know, when you're going to cook those noodles, might as well just get a second pan
1: the next day. I mean, you basically sit down to take a shit and then you wipe for the next hour
0: or two. Ah, ah. Oh Lord. Before one single noodle just comes, (laughs) uh, comes streaming out.
1: That's, that's, that's the trick though is I can eat an entire pot full of spaghetti and shit a single noodle. So, (laughs) It's like, uh, you know, when people put the cherry in their mouth and tie the stems together. I can do that, but it comes out as a single seamless noodle. I'm basically the David Copperfield of butt pasta tricks.
0: (laughs) It's a great party trick. Just, uh, you know, perhaps
1: (laughs) know your audience on that one. (laughs) I mean, you got to know your audience pretty darn well, I think. (laughs) So, yeah, is it okay? I'd say, yes, you can you can eat this if if that is your if that is your heart's desire. Would I eat this? Yes, I absolutely would. I would definitely talk shit about it afterwards, though.
0: Yeah, yeah. But, you know, you know, you know, you made the decision to do it right.
1: Yeah, it's right and wrong at the same time. (laughs) Like there's nothing about this like ingredients wise. It totally makes sense. It's just like what's a good pasta dish? You know, you got your noodles, you got some cheese, you got some tomatoes, you got some it's not, that, it's not that far off from Italian cooking. You're just using a different color cheese.
0: It does have all the elements of a good pasta, yeah. to be fair. Yeah.
1: I'm going to forgive them for, <laughs> for putting this in my Facebook feed, but I, I, I had to talk about it because... Oh, and by the way, if uh, I, don't, I don't know how familiar you are with Italian-American cuisine, but in America, it's not taco spaghetti, it's taco spaghettis. If you are a mid-Atlantic person of Italian descent. You say spaghettis? You say, yes, you pluralize your pasta. Yeah, I mean, I guess I've heard like raviolis. Watch an episode of The Sopranos and wait for them to talk about pasta, and I guarantee you they're going to pluralize their raviolis, their spaghettis, their tortellinis. Mm, Tortellinis. You don't have a bowl of tortellini, you have a bowl of tortellinis, which totally makes sense. It's just like, why do we get our hair cut? Why don't we get our hairs cut? Yeah, I mean, you have more than one. Homer Simpson has three, and he's still getting his hairs cut. (laughs) Right, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Or his ears lowered. Since we're since we're, I'm quizzing you on Italian American Mid Atlantic (laughs) traditions. uh, Do you know the difference between? And I I think this holds up outside of Italian cooking and and cuisine. Do you know the difference between a sauce and a gravy in Italian cooking? Specifically, we're talking about red sauces. Okay. Um,
0: As I understand it, I don't know if this is how Italian cuisine understands it, but a like, a to, like, for example, if it's like a marinara sauce, it's tomato sauce. But if it's a tomato gravy, it could be the same exact ingredients. But like you cook the meat in that tomato sauce. Bingo.
1: Basically, gravy has a meat base and and uh, a sauce does not.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: There you go. You are you've graduated. You are now a, an <laughs> apprentice in the it's a me Mario Batali cooking school, which I, I think he got canceled. So. Uh Oh, it's because he did bad things to people in, in kitchen restaurant in, in a restaurant kitchen, which is not at all a surprise because restaurant kitchens are a cesspool. Yeah. Well,
0: also, I heard that he murdered his mother and then went out on a, d- on a date afterwards.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but if you're a chef and you murder your mother, just know this. Don't let it go to waste because the flies that infest her corpse will produce maggots, which can apparently be used <laughs> according to this post from r slash conspiracy posted by user mace303, to make butter. Oof. Oof. That is a run-on sentence that I'm going to edit down. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But it's a post of a tweet by Reuters, the news agency, that says scientists are experimenting with larva fat to replace butter. They soak insects in water and then mush them with a blender before centrifuges separate a butter-like substance, which the team then used to bake with. Why
0: are scientists (laughs) spending their time? Like, aren't there other things scientists need to do?
1: Let's say, hypothetically speaking, you're a scientist. And then on the weekend, you like baking. How can you make your bug science job and your hobby play together? And the answer is by making bug butter and baking muffins.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, do your thing, chicken wing. You know, like if you (laughs) need to make butter out of larva fat, then ah,
1: man, I'm having a, t- a tough time getting behind this, but... Here's the thing. So I, I guess my only issue with this is these scientists are doing it not just because, you know, not on a lark, not because they're seeing if they can, but it's because they genuinely believe that they should in mm. order to solve the world's hunger problem. Oh. Because part of the reason why they're looking at bugs as a source of cooking fat, which is essentially what you're talking about when you're, when you're getting your butter, is that the... Butter being produced from uh, black soldier fly larvae is apparently uh, very high in protein and nutrients. And they also have a much lower environmental footprint. So they, they more efficiently convert energy into fats, hmm. which means it's a more sustainable source of cooking fat. Uh, you know, I wonder about this
0: sometimes. And of course, I find bugs to be gross sometimes. But like... Mm-hmm. What makes bugs gross?
1: Oh, that is such a that is such a fantastic question because it's they're definitely not falling into the uncanny valley. They are very different from us. And I think it, yeah. it maybe is that difference. It's that natural human human instinct to be like, no, that's a problem.
0: Yeah, that's a tiny alien.
1: Yeah. Kind yeah. Of. And the thing is, it's it's what's extra weird is we have human civilization, more or less as we know it has been like bugs, you no way. But let's go to let's go to a shrimp boil. It's the same right, thing, right? They're ocean bugs. Get out of here. Yeah, a lobster it, is a
0: disgusting creature. Get that bug. Get that bug wet. Get that bug wet, and I'll eat it. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I mean, have you ever eaten a lobster? Like a whole a whole yes, lobster? I'm from, I'm from I'm from Maine. I've eaten a I've eaten. Several lobsters. <laughs> I went to Maine once and that was the time that I ate a whole lobster. But yeah, you you break the thing open and there's this green stuff inside of it that you're supposed uh-huh. to just ignore. And that's like it's poop or something. <laughs> and you're supposed to just be like, don't worry about it. Just eat the eat the good stuff. And it's like, yeah, but it's poop is you know all what, over though? it.
1: <laughs> how many how many people are locked in marriages where they have to lay in bed with somebody just farting up a storm? And you know, what? sometimes you just got to be like, you just got to ignore it and eat the good stuff. <laughs> It's like that's that's it's how true. marriages work. It's the key to any happy marriage. Is just ignore it and eat the good. stuff You ignore the shit and eat
0: the good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, yeah. But, but bugs aren't gross. Bug. We we think bugs are gross. Bugs aren't gross.
1: Well, we think that bugs aren't gross. But what the scientists found was that when they substituted a, about a quarter of the butter for this larval butter. Uh, people really couldn't tell the difference, but once they got to a 50-50 point, this is a quote, they say they would not want to buy the cake, which means there is a taste component here, which is making the, taste, uh, the, the cake mm. taste like bugs, which yeah. I assume tastes a little bit like shit. Yeah, that's probably,
0: probably. They, they taste a little
1: bit like your dead mother.
0: <laughs> now I want to taste the bug cake.
1: If you show up to a like a first date and they hand you a cupcake, just know that they murdered their mom and made butter from the bugs that infested her dead body. <laughs> Do you know I'm saying? Don't eat the cake. And if you are going to eat the cake, just make sure that you clarify. It's like, hey, wait a second. Is this more or less than 50 percent bug butter? <laughs> I I would
0: try anything. I would try anything, especially if it was cake. At least once. <laughs> um and i say this and this is this is true <laughs> i've tried and enjoyed pig's blood ice cream cake
1: okay i've not had pig's blood ice cream cake i you know i'm i'm a pretty adventurous eater myself and i would certainly eat the bug butter um <laughs> what was the what was the pig's blood ice cream cake like it was uh it was it was good it was like um mostly it had like
0: a salty some kind of savory component on the top of it to like probably balance out like the tinniness. Really make the blood pop? Yeah, really, yeah. Really made that blood pop. Uh it was very semi sweet. The coldness certainly helped like um mitigate some of the some of that irony blood taste, but like it was pretty solid, honestly. I I got it because the owner of the restaurant was like, oh, you gotta try the
1: pig's blood. Uh, I'll tell you what the Tallahassee Policeman's ball is getting (laughs) more and more adventurous every year. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I was I was method acting for
0: my all my vampire (laughs) character work.
1: No, I love uh, I I love stuff like that. There's uh, when I was living in Philadelphia proper, they used to do a monthly industry night. And I remember one time they just did they did one night where it's just like awful hosted at this restaurant, they had a pop up kitchen, they were just doing nothing but awful. And it was absolutely fantastic. It was like livers and kidneys and head cheese tacos. And it was out of control. Good. (laughs) I I guess the lesson here that what Ian and I are trying to just instill in you, our audience member is. Don't read the labeling too closely. It's probably not really Han Solo's carbonite dick. Just put it in your <laughs> mouth, taste it, judge it for what it is.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. You don't have to like it. You don't have to dislike it as well. Yeah, right, exactly. but
1: you do have to try it. And that's the rule at our table at home. Like you, you've got to at least try the food that I spent hours cooking before you get up and walk away. And that's that's what having kids is all about is, is being able to set firm boundaries, but also give them the opportunity to explore things like bug butter.
0: You mentioned your kids. I know I presented myself as a very adventurous
1: eater. But when I was a kid. Don't, don't eat my kids. I would. If that's where this is going. <laughs> like, I know you mentioned your kids. And I was wondering, are, are you going to eat that? And it's like, no, I'm not going to eat those children. <laughs> I'm not going to eat. I promise I, well, I,
0: like I said, try everything once. But I promise I will <laughs> not eat your children um, anytime soon. And if um, you do, I expect a swift apology. <laughs> <laughs> a public, public on Twitter. I'll, I'll release a statement. No, what I'm saying is I was a really picky eater when I was a kid. Like I would eat only pe- like cheese pizza. I wouldn't eat pepperonis on my pizza. Oh, that's you know? too
1: adventurous.
0: It's just, yeah, exactly. Like, well, you know, really why mess with the beautiful just cheese and tomato bliss? You know what?
1: You know what? I am not a cheese pizza person. But mm-hmm. even if you don't think that you like something or something's not your cup of tea, and I learned this, you know, from working in beer, it's just like keep trying. Keep trying it. Eventually, you're going to find somebody who has the same taste as you or the same, you know, the same consideration. Yeah. So you and I have both spent a considerable amount of time working in the restaurant industry. And as a result, I am deeply sympathetic to the people who post on r slash anti work, (laughs) uh, most of whom are restaurant employees. (laughs) This is one I
0: haven't heard of and I need to subscribe to because it sounds already appealing to me.
1: Yeah. So this is user (laughs) estranged writers 511. And they say new job makes people who come in one minute late sing in front of everyone. Oof. Uh, And then they talk about it as as a humiliation tactic. And they've had to do it twice, even though they called ahead. As a former restaurant manager, I will tell you that this is something that I would never do to people because i think humiliating people is counterproductive and it doesn't make them want to work for you. Right. That's just right, my gut, right. that's my gut reaction, but you are uh you're also a professional musician, so <laughs> See, okay. Do, do you, is this an opportunity for you to just showboat a little bit? Yeah, that's my
0: issue with this from from the perspective of the enemy, from the perspective of the of the manager, the uh boss who's trying to uh humiliate their employees for some fucking reason uh, but my issue with this is it's disproportionate I have several coworkers who would love the opportunity to show up and well, sing in front of their whole coworkers, and everyone has to listen
1: but you're also working in a very different market than a lot of people you're in Nashville where I think working at a karaoke bar is a legitimate path to stardom <laughs> yeah I mean fair enough If you're working at a karaoke bar, I think this would be very appropriate. Like, hey, welcome to work. You're a little bit late. Go ahead and belt one out for us. And then you go up there, you take the stage, you grab the microphone, you give, you know, I am the only one to walk across the fire for you. And then everybody gets to work.
0: Well, that's so it's not a punishment. And, And also you're if they're already late for work, you're making them spend their first few minutes at work doing something that has nothing to like. Get to work. Unless you work at a karaoke bar, in which case you're just getting the night started. But you got to set up the PA, you know, you know, you (laughs) got to you got to get the PA system set up. And uh,
1: I don't know. I've never worked at a karaoke. What else do you do? (laughs) All right. Well, I I guess. um, So let's say you're going to take the power back, though, as an employee faced with this policy, which is on its face absurd. What song do you sing to make them never want you to be late again or make them never want to punish you for being late again?
0: What song do I sing? Um, I don't have the best karaoke voice. Like, you know, like I I've sung I've sang in bands and, you know, whatever. I sing a good bit, but like I don't have like an impressive karaoke voice. Do you think um, you'd just do an Ian original? No, I definitely wouldn't do it. I'm not like a person who I, when people try to show my music to people in front of me, it embarrasses me. <laughs> yeah, just like <laughs> eh. Uh oh, you know what? I have a good answer. I would do uh, "All Star" by Smash Mouth because okay. it's simultaneously hateable and lovable, and I don't think you would want to hear it again. After I think, I think that's a good. I
1: think it's a good choice because it's a it's a little bit of an airworm. It's yeah. positive and upbeat, but you can but you can only like it ironically. Yes. So yes, kudos to you. I would choose. Um, Maybe, you know, that song by Radiohead where it's like just the robot talking happier, more productive. Yeah, that song, yeah. just 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 give them the, like the the most <laughs> monotone, repetitive, <laughs> depressing thing you can think of, and if they complain, you just show them the album art. You just be like, "Hey, here, it's from OK Computer. You've got to let me sing it." Right. That's Everybody loves
0: this band. Yeah.
1: Exactly. <laughs> right. Right. Like, right. I'll tell you what, though, if you if you go into your place of work, and let's say it is a restaurant, which is a public space, and you know if you're coming in for shift change and you're a minute late, and they say, "Well, now you have to sing," and now all the regulars are looking at you expectantly, and then you just bust out wet ass pussy. Done. <laughs> you have just slayed the entire bar, and you have destroyed that management policy. And you're a legend for the rest of your life. <laughs> and you're on tour with Megan the Stallion. Park that uh, Big Mac truck up in this little garage.
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, every
1: regular you
0: you're not fireable at that point because every no. regular would would leave the would leave would never yeah.
1: come back. Um but the only bartender that I have ever had the pleasure of working with who then later went on tour with a major musical act is uh got to be Rick Reynolds hmm. who was kind enough to provide us the song United from his album Portals in Progress which you can find on Amazon, iTunes and Spotify. Ian, would you like to tell folks where they can find your music and your podcast? Uh absolutely. Uh yeah, my name is Ian Malden. I am the Keeper and editor
0: and producer for Shrimp and Crits. Uh, That's C-R-I-T-S. You can find us on pretty much any podcatcher. We are an actual play podcast playing Monster of the Week. Uh, And if you're interested in my music, I have a band called Damned Rivers. That's
1: Damned. It's it's really good. I I have listened to this album many times and introduced people to it, but not in front of you. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, please, yeah, please <laughs> refrain from showing people this music in front of me. But if I'm not there, you can show it to whoever you want to. Can, um, can I
1: Can I play? like let's say we are standing in the same room and there's like a group of people. We're at like a cocktail party. I've got like uh, maybe a hot dog on a toothpick and a martini and somebody brings up music. And I say, hey, Ian, wait a second. Could you please leave the room? I have something to tell these folks and you're not going to want to hear it.
0: Honestly, I would appreciate that (laughs) so much. I I have a coworker uh, and he knows who he is and he might be listening to this. uh, And, and, and he, and he knows this, but we wrote a song together. We've written a a couple of songs together and he, he is the type of artist that loves to show his stuff to people, which is the kind of artist you should, you know, you know, no one's going to promote you better than yourself uh, but he'll show like our coworkers these songs while I'm standing there. I'm like, I don't want to sit here while people listen <laughs> to me sing
1: that's so awkward. I was in the <laughs> army with a guy who was very into karaoke and he started uh, recording himself singing, burning it. And this is back in 2006, we were in Iraq. He would record himself singing burn it to a CD, put it in, put it in his Walkman, like his Discman, and then run around and like stick the headphones in people's ears and make them listen to his song. Like Ugh. he would just corner people. Ugh. And. Nobody was, is comfortable in that scenario. <laughs> nobody. No, well, he was very comfortable. It's like, I, I, that's, that's actually one thing that kind of eludes me, even in doing this podcast is the, the ability to shamelessly self promote. I do not have it in me. Yeah. Like I, I, I'm more of a worm tongue than like a king. Yeah, and I know like people are like oh, Wormtongue's the bad guy. It's like is he, or is he just a guy <laughs> who's standing around providing an advice or providing advice? And if the king takes it, the king takes it.
0: <laughs> right, right.
1: <laughs> and if that leads to the eventual de- uh, the eventual demise of the kingdom and the thousand years of darkness under Sauron's rule, so be it. <laughs> I, I can I can I can live with that.
0: Yeah. Wormtongue's a sympathetic villain. I've never thought of him that
1: way. Yeah, well, you know, I just like he's somebody who's doing what he thinks is best and providing the best possible advice for the person running the kingdom. And, you know, not everyone's going to have the uh, same standards, but ultimately it's the king's responsibility. It's just like you can send Rudy Giuliani to prison every single day for the rest of the year for various different crimes that he committed. But ultimately, it's the king's responsibility when he tries to overthrow the election. (laughs) <laughs> uh you don't have to you don't have to comment on that i can excise any political content i know <laughs> no i love
0: that is i so my lord of the rings lore is uh a little muddy did was he named worm tongue before he was a manipulative speaker or did he become a manipulative
1: speaker because His mother named him (laughs) Wormtongue. Like, I got to slither on in there. Like, is this a nature versus nurture situation is what you're asking. (laughs) And I will be absolutely 100% honest. I do not know if if his mother named him Wormtongue. Like, and, and here's the thing, like, what's wrong with being a worm's tongue? Hmm. (laughs) <laughs> and it's worm. It's W Y R M, isn't it? It's not like, the, is it? Or is it W O R M?
0: So like, drat. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I, I honestly don't, don't remember. Uh, we'll have, have to read the Silmarillion. Really. No, yeah.
1: <laughs> 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 no. Nope, nope, he is. Uh, his name is Grima Wormtongue, and it is. No, that's his name. It's like Wormtongue is like all one word. Yeah. So it's not like a descriptor. Like that's just his name. His name is just Wormtongue. He comes from a long line of Wormtongues his father was a worm tongue his grandfather was a worm tongue and they all have provided terrible advice to many <laughs> they, they all provided many uh or they all provided bad advice to many of the what is it kings of rohan
0: yeah yeah many of the raharam <laughs> the Ro, the Roharim or whatever you say however you say it <laughs> died because of the advice of various generations of worm tongues <laughs>
1: <laughs> You'd think they would stop hiring them into those positions, but it's hereditary. What are you gonna do? <laughs> oh man! Well, uh, I, Ian, thank you so much for joining me on this episode of Don't Wreck Yourself. It's always a pleasure to have one of the Shrimp and Crits family here. Um, thank you for having me. Your 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 group of people is absolutely fantastic. So. If between now and next week you find yourself wondering why your Han Solo frozen carbonite dongs taste a little bit off, it's because Belgian (laughs) scientists cut it with 50% bug (laughs) butter. And if you don't know what that means, I encourage you to check yourself. Don't wreck yourself.
0: We are united, but we're so far apart and it won't change. what did i forget to do today no one's gonna promote you better
1: than yourself thanks disembodied ian voice you can find us at WreckYourPod on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. You can also find us and the fantastic folks at Shrimp and Crits on the Cash Junkie Discord server. You'll find a link in the show notes. Had we not been dicking around talking about worm tongue, you would have also learned that you can find them at Shrimp and Crits and Shrimp'crits.com. If you'd like to join their Patreon, go to Fondameelobster.com. And I, I think that's everything. So... Just like I'm doing right now. You have to check yourself. Don't wreck yourself.